Right, ladies and gentlemen, serious faces on. I haven't put out a video about Israel-Palestine yet. I've tweeted and put out some Telegram posts, but um, rather than doing any kind of rolling coverage, I wanted to do this properly. And so I have invited on the two head and shoulders leading British nationalists uh, that are alive today, Nick Griffin and Jada Franson. So first of all, how are you both doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Jada, what about you? Very well, thank you. And amongst the madness... Yeah, excellent. Um, no, no, I mean, it's 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 all good, but we need to make sure we've got our heads screwed on on this. And I think this is a really good opportunity to basically vindicate you two, um, because you'll have reputations as people that don't have much sympathy for Muslims. <laughs> but in this situation, it's it doesn't work like that. So I think I'll just hand straight over to Nick to sort of summarize the Middle East situation from your perspective as a long serving British nationalist. Well, Nick, I've had a, a small number, actually, of, of British nationalists over the last few weeks getting onto me on Twitter and so on or directly with surprise over the stand that I've taken. But all basically all the, the old hands from the British National Party agree they'd already come to the same conclusion themselves, which is that we are being lied to on an industrial scale by the mass media, that at the very least the situation in Palestine, Gaza and so on is far more complex than we presented with. Uh, and most of them seeing that uh, the side we should be on is the side of the people who are trying to free their land from foreign oppression and Zionist occupation and understanding essentially that our struggle is their struggle. Then there's uh, a huge number of people on the, the ordinary conservative with a small C and capital C right who have fallen hook, line and sinker for all the Zionist propaganda, which actually isn't surprising because they always have. Uh, but the difference is that for someone to stay, say, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to, uh, from a British perspective, to say, I stand with Israel, didn't actually mean anything, you know, really and truly. Uh, what, what was happening between Israel and Palestine uh, and Britain was about poking its nose in. Obviously, if you go back far enough, a large part of it is our fault. You know, we have a responsibility. But in recent times, you could say, I stand on one side or the other. It didn't make a difference. What we're looking at now is... A, the short fuse to World War Three, And even if it doesn't get to that, we're looking, I think, at probably, we're looking at a flood. If things go as they appear to be at present, and Gaza is, if not genocide, at least ethnically cleansed, we're looking at a further flood of very angry, very alienated refugees. We're looking at the further alienation of vast numbers of Muslims here in the West. And I think we're looking at probably a 20 or 30 year campaign of asymmetric warfare, aka terrorism, directed probably indiscriminately against the West. Uh, and we're going to be at the centre of that because Britain is not just responsible in the past, in part measure, for the shamble that is now in the Middle East, but right now, as you know, not just the, uh, the, the leader of uh, the country, the Prime Minister, but the leader of the opposition, the almost the entire mass media, including the BBC, for all the claim that they're pro pro-Palestinian, like hell they are, uh, we're looking at the entire British political elite being on the side of the oppressors and the brutalizers, brutalizers and the genociders. And although we in due course will, of course, condemn the people who carry out terrorist attacks on Britain as a consequence, you can condemn them, but equally you have to understand them. 
and we shouldn't be in the firing line. In the end, despite our role in causing it, that is not our war. And the British nationalist position is that nationalism is, all, is for all people. Sovereignty is for all people. Self-determination and freedom are for, are for all people. But above all that, it's not for us to spend our soldiers' blood, our treasure, helping other people either to repress others or to get their freedom. Our job is Britain. And as British nationalists, the simple position, it was uh, set out many, many years ago by Mosley. As a matter of fact, Britons should fight for Britain only. And that's what I still believe. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I mean, there's such a huge gulf between your understanding and what we're seeing out of the conservative media. Uh -huh. Um, everything, and it's not just GB News that I'm talking about, it goes right through to your Tommy Robinsons, people that are supposed to be absolutely verbatim in the mainstream, <laughs> right? It's and Douglas Murray uh, and the trigonometry guys. There's this full spectrum thing where it's not just yeah. the BBC and then GB News, it's it's huge, and it's everyone, as we were saying before we went live, it's everyone with a well-lit studio, to be honest. <laughs> but Jada, you've you've been to prison um, for exposing a Muslim grooming gang, so we wouldn't expect you to come out batting for the Muslims. But as, as Nick's already said, this is about uh, people and their land. I, I very much consider the crowds on the, on the streets threatening in a way. I think when people say that they're Hamas supporters and they need to be locked up for anti-Semitism, this is incredibly threatening to somebody like me. So I stand with those protesters, but I wouldn't go down to one because it doesn't feel safe because London is full of foreigners. And so I, I kind of, those guys have colonized us, but the people in Palestine, well, they've been colonized. So I'm a hundred percent with them, Jada. Yeah, I mean, you you said at the the early on um, about people perhaps being a bit surprised um, by my stance and Nick's and and yours, um, both Nick's, the two Nick's, um, and and I you know I've said this on a few shows lately, so if you've heard this already, anyone that's watching, forgive me for repeating myself, but one thing that has become abundantly clear and actually really saddens me to my core is that um, I've lost hundreds and hundreds of followers on social media, and that doesn't sadden me in itself, but. I've come to realize that the reason I've lost them is because these people are disappointed that I don't share their venomous bloodthirst for genocide. And, and it saddens me. I think I've done myself a misservice, right? I, I mean, I genuinely do. Because I think I've missold myself somewhere along the line in that I've always pushed the message that true nationalism is born out of a love for one's people and one's nation. It is not true nationalism is not about hatred of other people. That's not real nationalism. That's just nonsense. And I, I see very clearly now that a lot of the talking heads, the well lit, the well lit talking heads, um, they are just completely driven by hatred. And so the fact that there are so many people that are saying, you know, because I've been accused of being a Hamas supporter, which is just like ludicrous in the extreme. But if we just roll with that narrative, the reason people are saying, and this is these are right-wing nationalists that are saying this to me. The reason they're saying it is because I'm saying we, we should not be cheerleading for the Zionist regime to be genociding the people of Palestine in their own lands. And so it does actually sadden me that people were under the misconception that I am so full of hatred that I would want to see people, Muslims, genocided. And there's a small population of Christians in Palestine as well, right? But the fact that the fact that that is it's so commercially accepted and I, and I considered 
other genocides that have been accepted, right, recently. No one's really talking about the Armenian genocide and they didn't speak, well, the ethnic cleansing, they didn't speak about the, the genocide previously, uh, 15, I think it was, 1915. And of course, when the Russian occupation in Ukraine began, um, the social media platforms actually relaxed their, their rules so that people were allowed to call for the death of Russians, right? So that was an acceptable genocide. Of course, we've got the abortion genocide that takes place throughout the West. So there seems to be, and, and, and the one Holocaust that we do speak about- That's the copyright one. Yeah, the copyright one, right? So, you know, the the, the hypocrisy is unbelievable, but I am, I'm, I'll be honest, and I, I'm, if this offends, good. Anybody who has it in their heart, the bloodlust that I have seen on social media from some of the most prominent right-wing conservative talking heads in the US and in the UK, who have no business, no business getting involved in this war in any instance, especially from a Christian perspective, because I don't want to hear this nonsense about Israel. We, the church are Israel. We are the real Israel. But to see so many of these people actually masquerading as Christians at the same time as cheerleading for what is ethnic cleansing at best. If, if, as Nick said, if some of these people survive a genocide, they will be displaced and they will be headed our way and they are going to be so angry and so, so full of hatred and venom themselves. Our children are gonna play, pay with their blood. So it's just, it's, it's, it's not just sickening to see the hatred. These people are moronic. They are absolutely moronic. Yeah, it's 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 in our interests. Apart apart from them, there's the morality side, and that, as Jager said, you cannot possibly watch the slaughter that's going on now, uh, such as we're getting out of Gaza. Bearing in mind that they deliberately cut off the uh, the internet uh, and so on, so you can't see. But even what you can see from it, that slaughter is fundamentally immoral. But also to support it, or actually even just to stand by and let it happen, is to put ourselves in the firing line. So it's not even in our interests. Jada said, you're quite right. These people, the uh, the grifters, the Tommy Robinsons, etc., motivated by hatred. Absolutely. And it's shocking to see the level of that hatred. Although, of course, don't forget, they're also motivated by money because these people are being paid. Hence the good lighting. They're all of them paid. This is a whole this is a whole extra level of the Zionist propaganda machine designed to think after the shock they got probably in the Iraq war when the public, including not, not, not just the usual left, but everybody on in the public said, this isn't our war, we should keep out of it, Tony Blair's gone mad, or worse, or whatever. I think they were deeply shocked by that. And clearly after that, they made a really concerted campaign to build, brick by brick, studio by studio, talking head by talking head, a, a vast range of people right across the political spectrum, full spectrum dominance, of people who would say all the right things for the point of view of uh, Middle Britain and the, the white working class, all the right things about uh, immigration and LGBT and wokeness and all the rest of it, to get everybody on side thinking, oh, I agree with everything he says. So then when he says, support Israel, death to Hamas, kill all those Hamas babies. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. This hasn't happened by accident. It's absolutely deliberate. It's not just about hatred. It's about money. And you know, Nick, just to jump in there, right, that the, the thing that I find so telling, and I, I swear people have just got very short memories or they're just not paying attention, but the talking heads that we all, we all know who they are, right? We've seen them in the UK, we've seen them in the US, but let's home in basically on the, on the UK because that's where we are. The talking heads here, they flip from one narrative to another because you mentioned there that a lot of these people are peddling the same, they're pushing the same message that normal right thinking conservative, yeah. decent Christian people are thinking, right? But they weren't pushing that. If you look through their, if you look through their journey, take take 
chief shill Tommy Robinson, for example. Tommy Robinson at his peak, at his height, was platforming um, drag, you know, trans yep. men, right? There was, he had that guy, I think it was Milo, come on yep. to stage and say, oh, he was sorry that he was late, but he had been given oral sex to a black man. Right? Yep. They, and they had LGBT banners, gays for Sharia, all of that. So, and multiculturalism they, and mass immigration too. Absolutely. How many videos have we seen of these people saying we're not against multiculturalism? Even the Britain First boys on their on the website, the front page of their website is a big banner saying we are not racist. If you are brown and you love this country, then you are welcome. This is civic nationalism at best. It's Zionist shilling, mm -hmm. well, in, in, in the obvious. And for me, it just, it's so apparent, right? Even when COVID struck, these people were silent. You and I were being called every name under the sun, Nick, because we were right from the get go. We were like, this Nick is and Nick. Nonsense, yeah. right? We all got all oh, the three of us, all of us, we yeah. were getting called, oh, we all going to kill everyone. And those guys, silent. Those guys took the vaccine because they were traveling. And so, so, you know, they, again, but then when all the dust settled, you see coming out of those paid shills, oh, yeah, the vaccines are no good. Mm. Well, you didn't say that 18 months ago when you clearly took it so that you could go to Lanzarote. <laughs> you know I mean? So it, it, even if people were to just pay a bit more attention, they would see that these people haven't always adhered to the values that are held by traditional conservatives. They're just on a grift, a perpetual grift. And at the forefront of that grift is always support for Israel and the Zionist regime, always. Yeah, so so those guys are led by the nose, essentially, because it's money, but they tend to have coke habits. These two tend to go hand in hand is the it's the pattern that I've seen. But you guys have been subject to this sabotage, whereas I've been on the other side trying to watch stuff and figure out who I should trust. And I can see the long term game as this British nationalism, i.e. Britain for the British is evil and we must give the people any other option. So they give them UKIP to counter the BNP, which is opposition to membership of the EU. So you don't you don't get to be racist. You can't you can't say Britain for the British, but you know, the EU's a bit overbearing. So just focus on that. And then they give us the referendum. And I have no idea if 5248 was actually accurate or if that was just a way to get us all fighting one another. But similarly you get um no, we're not. We're not far right. We're what was it? Classical liberals. That was the big one, sort of between 2016 and 2020. And and you're right that it used to be like uh, gays against Sharia, and now it's queers for Palestine. But I do notice that that's pretty much all these these channels have. They're relentlessly mocking the queers for Palestine banners, and it's like, you know what? The the, the queers appear to be against genocide, and that's not that laughable. They've got to play this game now where. Um, it's woke to support Palestine. And I, I really do think the narrative is breaking. I think you're right, Nick, that the last time um, that they flattened Gaza, well, how long ago was that? A decade? Um, I don't know if there was as loud support from our government for Israel. I certainly wasn't as invested, whereas now it's like this clear cut choice, you know, Rishi Sunak went straight out there to yep. say, do whatever you need. And I do think that there's a critical mass of normal people that aren't convinced anymore, because one of the effects of mass immigration is that a lot of people know a Muslim now and they might have talked to them. And um, and once you understand what's going on there, it's really it's not complicated. It's not a war. It's not. It, it's very simple. Yeah, indeed. I think, obviously, the, the impact of the mass media, uh, and it's amazing, people supposedly you know, on the right, supposedly awake as opposed to woke, 
uh, who have, you know, said when they were told by the mass media that COVID was going to kill everybody, oh, no, it's not. They're told by the, by the media that mass immigration is wonderful and enriching. Oh, no, it's not. Told the mass media, you know, the European Union is great. If we leave, we'll all starve to death within six weeks. Oh, no, it won't. Hamas, Betty babies. Oh, yes, they did. Kill the bastards. Kill the bastards. I was looking as we came on. I was just trying to look to see if I could actually find it here on the phone. But I couldn't because I get so much stuff on social media. Haaretz, which is uh, one of the big newspapers in Israel, on the left side, which given the spectrum of Israeli politics, I guess puts them pretty much where UKIP is in Britain. You know, they're not, they're not hardcore screaming communists, but Haaretz, one, Haaretz, one of the main newspapers of the opposition against the Netanyahu regime, and Netanyahu does not speak for the whole of Israel. Remember that. He's trying by pushing Israel, pushing the point where it's an all-out war. Obviously, then the Israelis, in his mind, have no point, no choice but to back it. But Netanyahu is a, an extremely unpopular leader of a government which doesn't have a minority. It's put into position, it's held in power by some real fanatical extremists. And I'm not doing the woke thing of calling these people Nazis. They basically are Nazis. They are fascists. They are Jewish fascists. And their support, they're keeping Netanyahu in power. There's plenty of Israelis don't like that. And if the war is big enough and violent enough, they'll all have no choice. Going back to Haaretz, Haaretz have done an interview, their investigations team have done a, an investigation into the uh, story of the first few days of the Hamas offensive and so on. And they come down quite category, categorically that the numbers of dead have been inflated. At least half, if not more, of the dead are soldiers, i.e. completely legitimate targets. Many of the others are armed settlers. And these, are, these aren't innocent civilians. These are people who are armed settlers who've taken Palestinian land and homes by force, held them by force. And in the last decade or so, whenever Hamas has been, uh, whenever uh, Gaza has been bombed on a warm summer's evening, these people en masse have taken their deck chairs and their barbecues to the edge of their kibbutz and they sit and watched and laughed and cheered as Palestinian children and babies have been blown apart and incinerated. So these people made themselves targets, absolutely so. But Haaretz also go on to say there's no evidence of Hamas beheading babies. There's no evidence of them burning Jews. None of it. It is all the usual category of um, war propaganda bullshit that they've served us up since at least the First World War, before and during and after every single war, to get the sheeple to send their sons, nowadays send their daughters, and keep on paying their taxes, and allow our governments to do and help other people do the most disgusting things in our name, we get this wave of propaganda. And everything, from the looks of it, this isn't me saying this, this is Haaretz. This is a major Jewish newspaper saying everything that we're being told is a lie. Can we zoom out and look at the religious aspect of it? Because one of the most really heart-wrenching things for me has been watching clergy that I spoke to who were against the lockdown measures, against the vaccines and the vaccine passports and all of that. Yeah. Uh, just, just they, uh, the way I, I can't even really comprehend it because these are the people that rejected Christ. They have now built a nation state called Israel, which according to my belief system is essentially blasphemy. And I know about the Talmud and all of this kind of stuff. And um, I, I'm starting to treat the word Islamophobe quite seriously. 
based on what I'm seeing out of people like this, who, as we say, are supposed to be Christian, um, you know, 40 beheaded babies, we'll take that as true, we'll just not talk about the 7,000 or so Palestinians that have already been killed since that. Um, I find it so, so shocking. And it does come down to that fundamental thing that these people, these religious extremists, as you call them, they hate Jesus Christ and they hate Christians. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think what we have to what we have to consider as in, in running parallel to the to the bastardization of the right wing of the nationalist scene in the West. So in the UK and in the US in particular, running parallel to that was this was another agenda which was which was basically radicalizing people into the zionist route and that's dispensationalism and that is one of the worst heresies to exist in in, in within the christian community and it, and it particularly within the evangelical scene in the united states um and it started actually in britain though it started here um with a the plymouth reverend john darby here in in the uk and then it and then it later on in, in fact in fact it was created before John Darby, let me point out, it was actually created by three, um, what, what are the, the Jesuits, three Jesuit priests, right? That's who created it. And they created it, it to, to scupper the reformation um, um, efforts, right? So those were who were, you know, trying to, trying, trying to reform the faith and give people the scripture and give people the word. This was an effort to, to, to hijack that and it worked very well. So it swept through the United States and it's, and it's also made its way into the United Kingdom. And the basic premise is that, it, I mean, it's too complicated to go into because it's crazy. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. It's insane. And anyone watching this that is offended by that, then just go and read the Bible because it's very clear in there. Um, but this whole dispensationalism movement, it, it coins these terms that we keep hearing, we keep seeing on social media about God's chosen people. That's why you have this fanatical um, sect of people in the right wing conservative movement that are that will will die on that hill. They will die on the hill for Israel. And and, and as you say, Israel is a, is a terror state. It's a fabricated location, geographical location, which was gifted right, unlawfully by the Brits. To, to the Jewish community, when it was being lawfully occupied by Palestinians, people, there's a big thing, there's lots of sound bites going on on the social media at the moment. There's there's people talking about Palestine doesn't exist. I hear that all the time, Palestine doesn't exist. Well, it does. It was referred to in the Old Testament, right? It might have been a slightly different, slightly different name, Philistine or Philistia, but it was it exists, it's in the Old Testament. Um, as much as we're hearing things like Hamas use children as human shields, sound bite, sound bite, sound bite. God's chosen people soundbite. So we're seeing just the regurgitation of, an, of a conscious effort that's been made over generations to, to move people away from scripture and turn people away from Christ ultimately. Because if you if you accept that there are, if you accept that the, the people that are occupying, I believe unlawfully that are occupying the state of Israel at the moment, if you believe that they, if you accept that they are God's chosen people, if this is the narrative, then that means that you believe that there are two routes to salvation. And we know very clearly that there's one route to salvation, and that is through grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And, and so it's blasphemous in the extreme for anyone to claim that these people are somehow on some dual route to salvation just because they occupy this land, particularly given that ethnically, the majority of these people are not Israelites. They are not the people of the ancient Israel of the Bible. So none of it makes any sense. And we know in the Bible that 
in the last days, I don't think we're in the final few days, but we're certainly in the end times. Well, we've been in the end times since Pentecost, but you know what I mean? We're, we're, we're getting close, I think, I would say. And so we know that people are going to be sent strong delusions. And we were also told that the Jews, they were going to be, they'll be blinded. Their eyes will be shut to the truth. And that's why they, they crucified Christ. All of their scriptures, Isaiah, all of their scriptures pointed to the Messiah who was coming from their bloodline, from David's bloodline, and they still nailed him to a cross. So those people, it's biblical that they are, not all of those Jews are going to accept him. They're not going to understand they're, they've been blinded. But for someone to call themselves a Christian, and to peddle this narrative is so offensive. And it's offensive to me as a bloodwashed Christian. I can't imagine the offense that that causes the Lord Almighty. I just can't. Indeed so. Yeah, the uh, even, first of all, we've got, as you alluded to anyway, Jay, the fact that very large numbers of uh, the Jews occupying Palestine are actually Ashkenazi, East Europeans, with no genetic connection, whatever, to there. But even the ones who have, so on the Sephardic line primarily, uh, even those, the, the, it's really very, very simple that the Jews were the chosen people, yeah? And when they refused to accept Christ and crucified him and said, his blood be upon us and our children, and ever and ever, uh, that at that point they broke the covenant, as you said, so the people of the church, the faithful people of the church, are now God's chosen and that's it. Uh, and people might be thinking, well, this is getting a bit obscure, sort of religious stuff. No, it's not obscure. This is this is what is motivating, as you said, the Christian Zionists, who are enormously, enormously powerful. I was looking at a tweet, a couple of tweets from Nikki Haley, who's one of the worst of the Republican neocon creatures in the USA. Uh, and she's going on about how uh, Israel is blessed, but also the people who stand by Israel are blessed. Obviously, she's talking to an to an American audience. Yeah, how blessed is America since they stood by Israel in 1948? They've gone from being the world superpower to being actually an also ran in military terms. They've gone from being the world's economic superpower to being a basket case with debt just spiraling out of control. They've gone from being a country which was stable and in material terms, it was a wonderful country gone to a place which has got an, op an opioids epidemic. Its industry is now just one giant rust belt. Yeah, America hasn't been blessed in the last 40 or 50 years. Uh, a, an incipient black middle class, which was developing parallel to mainstream, but close to mainstream uh, American uh, economy and people and so on, they've been absolutely devastated. So you, you've now got you know, the black ghettos and absolute hopelessness. You've got real appalling racial hatred, particularly against whites, but it cuts both ways, cuts all ways. You know, America is a basket case, which pretty much every American on left and right believes is going to fracture in some kind of civil war over the next few years. But there's Nikki Haley saying, oh, you know, it's absolutely blessed. And these Christian sheeple, as you're saying, they go along with it. You know, they're worse, to my mind. The Jews, the Zionists, you know, they've got this hardcore fascist style ideology. Uh, their people have been have been dispersed all over the world, certainly all over Europe for generations as a result of various factors, including their hatred of us, but also, you know, just ignorant hatred of them too. They have been persecuted, etc. You can understand why a Jew actually would stand by Israel and want, even if they know they've stolen the land, well, we've got it now. You can understand them. You can understand Hamas. Even if they have beheaded babies, you can understand people, in fact, not condone it, they have done. You can understand people driven to utter insane hatred by what's been done to their people. And bear in mind that Hamas, just like ISIS, just like Al-Qaeda, was from the very beginning encouraged, incited, funded, trained, pushed forward by Israel, Mossad, 
United States, CIA, MI6, etc., etc. You can understand, again, the Palestinians and Muslims in general being driven mad with hatred about what's being done to their people. Mm. But for Christians to cling, I think they must know that they're talking bullshit, that this is heretical nonsense. They must know that. The Calvin Robinsons of this world, they do read their Bible. They must know. They must know. Well, that I think that, that, that this is... They're this is one of the dangers. They're more to blame than the others. I think so, but I do, I do. I mean, maybe I'm just giving them a Bible, and maybe I shouldn't. I think a lot of them do know their heresy, but I have to say that a lot of the problem with this misinterpretation of the scriptures, and and you, as you say, that creature that quoted and said, "The pe blessed, blessed are the people of Israel, and those who stand by them." This is a, this is, this is a gross misinterpretation of, um, of, of scripture, which is, which is actually those words do exist in in the New Testament, but we, are, they are talking about us. They are talking. We are the new Israel. We are the real Christians are in the New Testament when you read in Romans and you read in Corinthians we are Israel they're not talking about the geographical location Th those people are covenant breakers that's why they were scattered over the earth the temple was destroyed it Jerusalem was destroyed you know so and, and even if you look at Revelation a lot of people are talking about Revelation and this is going to happen and that's going to happen well there's a very good argument for the case that those events that were predicted in in Revelation, those events that were foretold in Revelation, ha have have already happened prior to seventy uh, seventy AD, prior to the destruction of the temple. So they're just. I, I don't know whether they are all just completely swept up in this in this um, false Christianity that's being spread throughout the West. I don't know. I would like to believe that that is the case rather than just um, like knowledge, like knowledgeable ignorance. I don't know, but it's, as you say, I can, I can put myself, I mean, I, I, I don't even say this because I can't fully, I, I dread to believe how these people who have been kept in an open air prison in Gaza, 25 by five miles long and wide with 300 meters of armed, um, guards around the land border and the same into the sea. If they go out into the water, they're shot by automated weapons. If they approach the land border, they are shot by either automated weapons or or, or men, physically armed men. Um, it, it, the, the mind boggles that in 2023, this is even allowed to exist. So yes, I, I do, and I've said this already, I do understand the Muslims that are on the streets in London, in, in Paris, in New York, I understand their anger because if I was watching Christians, white Christians being genocided and the world cheering, I would be on the street screaming. So I understand them. But what I don't understand is why we've got white so-called Christian conservatives cheerleading for the very people that rejected and killed the Messiah. Um, just what is it just because they're I mean let's have it is it just because the Palestinians are brown is that what we is that where we've gotten to and like, is that where we're at because they're Muslim and they're brown we want to see their well, babies killed like because the, you say because they're Muslim you know no what I don't know what the percentage is now because it has fallen partly through immigra immigration it's easier for Christians to get out of Palestine but there was a time not that long ago when 10% of the Palestinians were Christian they're still Christians you know the one of the oldest churches in the world was flattened by the Israeli Air Force a few days ago. And uh, initially, when there was a report it had been struck, uh, and people were saying, oh, it's been destroyed, and then all the usual suspects on the internet were saying, oh, look, it's still here, hasn't been bombed, it's all a lie. And 24, 48 hours later, they absolutely flattened it, killing a large number of people, Palestinian Christians and Palestinian Muslims who'd taken refuge with their neighbors, because they're on the same side there. 
you know, the, the Orthodox Church in Palestine as is is appalled and is made made it very public they're appalled at the attitude of western christians but they just you know, forget these people when i was in syria i went four times to syria uh in the early part of uh the, the last decade uh, and you, know, you can walk around uh just walking around damascus uh, and you come across churches now churches in places like bolton and bradford and here i might might upset some of the muslims watching here when the christians come around okay no, there's churches in places like Bolton and Bradford where the if there's surviving churches, the, the windows are heavily uh, meshed and so on, because otherwise they're going to be smashed by radicalized, ignorant young Muslims who hate their white neighbors, hate their Christian neighbors, partly because of this, but also, of course, because successive British governments, because Saudi Arabian money is so important to them, both economically and also personally back pocket stuff, that they've allowed the Saudis to push some of the most extreme forms of Wahhabi Islam into Muslim communities in this country, thereby creating this enormous gulf and this potential civil war. But as I say, uh, churches in Damascus, they don't have grills. They don't have fortifications. They don't need to, because it was a secular but deeply religious society where different religions were respected and respected each other and still do. And the West, of course, as you know, took sides throughout the Syrian civil war. It wasn't a civil war. It was an invasion of secular free Syria, which included very large numbers of moderate Muslims, Sunnis included. One of my armed bodyguards when I was over there one time, he was a Sunni Muslim. And he was driving me around in his in the car with an AK-47 and a big pistol strapped to his belt. You know, and he's with us with those people because he's not one of them. But when you've got the position that the the Muslims of Damascus are kinder and more understanding of their Christian neighbours than the Muslims of Bradford and Bolton. You know, we've got we've got a serious problem building up. And what our elite and the morons, the Tommy Robinson, the Paul Goldings and so on, are doing right now with their utter psychopathic contempt and hatred for these kids and the people of Gaza. And it'll be the West Bank soon as well. Don't, don't forget that, because the Netanyahu regime, the Israeli hardcore, they want them gone. They want every last Palestinian gone from what they regard as their country. It's exclusively for them. And the hatred this is building up in our country, even come back, coming back to a hardcore nationalist position, this simply isn't sensible to be on that side. You know, people are still saying, oh, what are we going to do about all these people? We're going to have to force them out. Well, one, we can't. You know, we, haven't, we haven't got the power, we haven't got the numbers, we haven't got the economic or the military capability, and the rest of the world wouldn't allow it. Allow it. But even if you do believe in the idea that re-emigration would be a good thing. Well, I would agree with that as well, because I think that we're a very small, crowded country and turning it into a ticking multicultural time bomb was a very, very foolish thing to do. But we have to learn to get along with each other in the meantime. And if you want to see re-emigration, if you don't like Libyans living in Britain, well, before you can say we need to kick them out, you need to think back, why are they here? Because Libya was a very civilized and prosperous country, one of the most prosperous in the whole of Africa. And I went there in 1986, uh, and it was a very, very pleasant little country. And again, I was free to wander around talking to members of the public. And I've spoken to, at the time, not long after that, I spoke to, I used to teach foreign students English, and I spoke to lots of kids from Eastern Europe, or late teenagers, early 20s, only a few years after the fall of the Berlin Wall. And all of them would say, well, it's great to be talking with you now, but if we'd met in East Berlin or in Prague or whatever, 
before the change, we wouldn't have dared to speak with you because you know we people are being watched, you'd be being watched, we could get into trouble. When I went to Libya, just walk, we were allowed to go anywhere we wanted, walk down the street, people were really pleased and interested to talk to foreigners who were there. So it was a free country as well as a prosperous country. It is now a howling wilderness of Islamist hatred and Muslims pouring through. Why? Because David Cameron, with the support of most of the British elite and all the mass media now shilling for the destruction of every last Palestinian, were saying it's a good thing, we've got to get rid of Gaddafi and so on. So it's our fault. And if you actually seriously believe that re-emigration one day would be great if it was possible and we could try and go along that route, then you can't expect people to go home to their countries until we stop meddling in their countries and something's been done to put their countries back on an even keel. And if I was a Libyan, why the hell would I want to live in Manchester if I could live in a peaceful, civilised, decent Libya, which was getting the benefits of its own oil, energy and irrigation water, etc., etc. That's the way forward for the peoples of the world, not this crazy hatred. Yeah, I, I knew a Libyan and and she was not here by choice. And it did actually sound like it was a wonderful country before before she got forced over here. Um, and OK, so what I find most it's, it's kind of terrifying. It's this powder keg um, that I can see right here where BNP talking points from about 20 years ago are now basically being promoted by these GB News talking heads. They're, they're starting to say, send them back. We need mass deportations. But they're doing it on the basis of anti-Semitism, which is something that very much concerns me. Um, but I also see this as like, well, that that is them lighting the fuse of a very, very long plan is when we've got you know, very normal voices like your sort of Patrick Christie's um, that I was calling out for being far too mild five years <laughs> ago are now, it's now completely switched. And I had this sort of Barney with Steve Laws this week where I was like, this is probably not the week to be screaming, send them back on this basis, you know, every last one of them in those crowds. Because I'm wondering how many of those people were displaced from their country would rather that never happened and they were still there and are now going on those protests because essentially it's the entire Arab world understands the truth about what's going on in Palestine, whereas the Western world's been under a spell. So you're essentially getting all the immigrants in London, yeah. which is it's not, it's, not just, it's, not, it's not just the Arab world. This is the this is the whole Muslim world. You've got the Iranians, the Pakistanis, the hundred million Muslims in India, etc. Indonesia, an enormous country, vast swathes of the world. And even those who aren't Muslim, the whole of the rest of the world, including, say, uh, immigrants in London from South America and so on, they are looking and they all understand the stinking, disgusting hypocrisy of the West. Whereas two months ago, if a uh, if a Russian missile uh, aimed at a definitely military target. Uh, led to either that Russian missile or the uh, NATO-supplied uh, anti-missile anti missile of the Ukrainians hitting a shopping centre and killing three people. This was Putin targeting civilians and it was monstrous. And in the 21st century, you can't accept this. This is a war crime for which he must be tried in The Hague and so on. And even the BBC, even Sky TV and all the rest of them, all they could, all they could show was the occasional strike error, collateral damage, or even deliberate, which I don't believe it was. But they, they were talking in terms of casualties in ones and threes and fives and tens or thirties, month after month after month. That was it. Whereas you must have obviously seen the footage 
you know, from Gaza. And it's just staggering amounts of high explosives and all sorts of hideous weapons, white phosphorus, etc., et being deployed on one of the most crowded places in the world where half of every living soul is a child or younger. I mean, it's, but as I say, the hypocrisy and all, all, all the third world, all the second world, the whole world, apart from basically the five eyes and the uh, the American prostitutes in uh, in the in the EU, uh, all the rest of the world must be looking. He's looking at this. It's absolutely sickened by how the West is handling this. Yeah, but we also we have to remember as well, Nick. You spoke about Syria, and then Nick, you said about your friend not wanting to have been displaced. We ha we have to remember that Palestine, which did exist, I maintain, did exist. Palestine had exactly the same setup. It was a peaceful, secular but devout nation in the sense that it was majority Muslim, but there was a big Christian population and a lesser Jewish population, but there were all three inhabitants and they lived side by side peacefully. And again, people would probably be shocked to hear this kind of rhetoric from myself and Nick Griffin and even from 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 yourself, Nick, um, just even though I know that you, you kind of you reach a bit of a broader audience, I guess. But we, we do have to consider the fact that we have so much hostility in this nation and so much. Now, I myself have been involved in a lot of loggerheading, if you like, with these new people that have come into our nation. Um, from a nationalist perspective, because, you know, frankly, I, I see I see the takeover of towns and cities in the United Kingdom and it horrifies me. But we have to be we have to be very clear here. That was not done by force. We were not invaded. We welcomed these people in and we welcomed these people in after we destabilized their regions. And frankly, if we hadn't have meddled in Palestine and given after taking the shekel, then promised to give that portion of land to the Jews who then drove the Palestinians out of their homeland. If we hadn't meddled and done any of that, then this situation that's happening right now wouldn't be occurring because it's not a biblical event. It's not something that's been foretold, foreshadowed. It's not something that was going to happen. Um, and the same thing with every region in the Middle East that we've destabilized. I'm not condoning terrorism. I never will do. I think I'm probably one of the most outspoken opponents of Islamic terrorism in the United Kingdom. I've confronted terrorists. I've chased them down the street. I've been to their houses. Right. I've been to jail um, over this stuff. But we have to be we have to be honest. These people have every right to be angry. We go out to their regions, we go out to the Middle East, we destabilize every single nation throughout the world. And then we, the arrogance of the West is overwhelming because then what we do is we say, we've destabilized Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq. We've been out to all of these different parts of the Middle East. Now with Palestine, we've done all of this, but simultaneously, we will let millions of you come and live in our country, but just be nice. Try and forget about what we did to your mum, your cousin, your brothers, your sisters. And the other thing to remember about Islam, this is a very important thing for people to grasp because a lot of people, this kind of, this, this passes over them. We talk about nationalism as British nationalists or Polish nationalists, American nationalists, whatever your nationalism, Nigerian nationalism, whatever, right? We speak about nationalism, a love for one's people and one's nation. You have to understand that the Muslim people are not nationalist in their ideology right now as christians we are because god gifted respective nations to respective people so god the bible is nationalist it, it is i mean there's a nationalist theme throughout the entire bible so that 
that coincides with our Christian ideology. Their ideology, on the other hand, is, is purely faith-based. So it doesn't matter to them. In fact, it's the duty of Muslims to go beyond the comfort zone of their own land and to establish Islam in other lands. And we've made that very easy for them to do in the West, and we continue to make it very easy for them to do, whilst simultaneously killing their fellow Muslims. So whilst Palestine as a region, as a country, is important to them, because it's theirs and they've lived there for, for hundreds of years, right? Whilst that's important to them, it's also more important to them that their fellow Muslim brothers and sisters are being killed. And therefore, nowhere is going to be safe. This stupid narrative coming out of a lot of women, I have to say, because women are inherently liberal and daft anyway, but a lot I see a lot of women on social media saying, you shouldn't be sticking up for Hamas. Israel's trying to make the world a safer place. There are 1.8 billion Muslims in the world, right? There are 2 million of them in, in, Palestine, in, in Gaza, right? They're going to hit the West Bank. There's about 7 million in the whole of Palestine. And let's say that they genocide everyone in Gaza, which it looks likely that that head case Netanyahu wants to do. And by the way, whole thing was a false flag, but we'll go there in a minute. But so let's say that they succeed in that. There's still going to be 1.6 billion of these people in the world. So please tell me how killing innocent Muslims in an open air prison that they can't leave is going to make anywhere where there are other Muslims safe. It's just, but again, people are chewing up this Zionist propaganda and regurgitating it just like they did with the face mask, wash your hands, flatten the curve. It's pathetic, really. It's well, pathetic. I think I think part of the trick is that a lot of these people are not the people that straight away said wear the mask or, or they're the people that were given as your heroes saying, no, I won't wear the mask. No, the vaccine passports are evil. You know, they're all unanimous in support for Israel at the moment. And I, th I think it is just keeping people in a holding pen because there was another one. There's all sorts of holding pens. Um, and as long as people don't hear a viewpoint outside of that, then then they're done for. But I, I like when it comes to the religious aspect, I mean, I can understand the perspective is of an Israeli um, who had to flee his family, fled Europe um, in the 40s. And, you know, the world's always been out to get Jews. And now here they are again. And I can understand the Palestinian that was born into that society and was, you know, wants all of them gone and will fight to the death to do it. I understand both these perspectives, but the most disgusting one is this clergy perspective for me. And it, it really, I can't wrap my head around how any Christian can first of all support the carpet bombing and all that. But like, these are people that get up in the pulpit every Sunday and talk about Israel for they're reading from a Bible and they appear to think it's that Israel and it, it's amazing how simple it is which Israel are you standing with the people that all believe in Christ and have chosen Christ that Israel or the one with people who have all rejected Christ this is and I can name them several I can't actually name a single clergy in the UK no Bishop Williamson is the only one he's got in massive trouble for for what he's done um other than that we're in a bad way now in america because they've been there has actually been this war raging on the right wing about zionism for a while and you got figures like nick fuentes so i'm seeing fairly normie conservatives starting to break ranks and saying no we shouldn't fund this anymore no this is ridiculous whereas i think in the uk 
it's different and it's very 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 rare to find anyone it's us I don't, yeah, this us. I don't. It's not unusual actually, and you don't. Obviously, there is Zionist money, and all you know the, these uh, the, the vicars who made uh, and carved a niche for themselves on social media in recent years, talking all the same good things as Tommy Robinson in recent years, etc. So I think it's part of the same operation, but it doesn't have to be. There's uh, there was a a song in late seventeenth century Britain called called the Vicar of Bray. And it's the Vicar of Bray relating how uh, when Charles I was in power and everything was high church and bells and smells, he went along with it. He was the Vicar of the Bray. Then Cromwell gets in, uh, so he, he whitewashes the church and all the rest of it. He's still the Vicar of the Bray. And then there's Charles II, the Restoration, and he changes again. And whatsoever king may reign, I'll still be the Vicar of Bray, sir. Uh, so, the, so especially the Church of England, they their vicars and so on. They got a very long. It's a bit like the, it's a bit like the British monarchy. They've got a very long tradition of dodging and weaving and make sure that they stay there at the top of their own little dung heap. Uh, so uh, you needn't necessarily see any more into it than that. But there is a lot more to it in terms of coming back to the immigration issue. You know, as Jada said, we welcome them in. Well, actually, a lot of us, millions of Brits, they didn't welcome in. They were gritted teeth and complaining bitterly and desperately trying to do something about it. And Enoch Powell who sits next to me. If I Move just a little bit, you can see Enoch here. Enoch Powell, likewise, you know, people, the dockers, etc. The real working class of Britain didn't welcome in these people in. They felt problems immediately and they felt that there was something deeply wrong and dangerous here. But they're here now, so that we've got to accept and find how we're going to live. But going back a little bit, it didn't happen by accident. There's not a single country anywhere in the Western world where the largest, most powerful, most effective, most brutally effective force for mass immigration, integration, the suppression of legitimate uh, indigenous concern wasn't headed by Jewish NGOs, by professional Jews and the, not just the Zionist mafia, but this Jewish supremacist mafia everywhere, every single place. You know, the hate, the hate laws, the rate, the race laws came out of uh, a, a Jewish law firm, Bynum and Bynum and Lester, for example. There wouldn't have been, there would not be mass immigration in the Western world, despite the fact that capitalism found it very, very constructive, you know, convenient and profitable. We wouldn't have mass immigration if it hadn't been for the efforts of this or the, the, the self-appointed representatives of this particular community who are now insisting we all go along with genocide. Why? Well, there's all sorts of reasons, but bear in mind that their contempt for the Palestinians is the same as the contempt for us, because to all to them, all of us, we are going, we are subhuman. I'm not saying all Jews believe this, they don't. There's good Jews. Someone, if someone's just new to this and their mind is all scrambled, where can I read more about these sort of things? Go and have a look at the UNS Review, U-N-Z, UNS Review. And Ron UNS, he's Jewish, uh, and the UNS Review is an enormous repertoire online of wonderful articles and archived articles by all sorts of people, hardcore Nazis like Andrew Anglin, through to all sorts of anti-Zionist Jews. And yet Ron UNS is doing more than all the controlled mass media in the entire Western world to bring a decent, sensible and sane view to all of this. But the people backing Netanyahu and going along with them, they regard Palestinians as subhuman. They also regard us as subhuman. And they've also got all sorts of crazy prophecies which have to come true before their Messiah, our Antichrist, 
can come back and they'll build the third temple and all the rest of it. And then from Jerusalem, the Jews will rule the entire world and everybody else will serve them. It sounds utterly insane, but this is what these people actually believe. So not all Jews, but the people running the show and pushing the show and the extremists propping up the Netanyahu uh, cabinet. That's what these people believe. And they also believe one of their peculiar prophecies, along with um, they have to sacrifice uh, pure red heifers on the uh, site of the Dome of the Rock, for which reason they've got very high tech um, biogenetic engineering companies in Israel desperately struggling to produce a pure red heifer without a single white hair. It's completely bonkers. But one of the other prophecies is that before this happens, the, the Edomites will be subjected and enthralled and basically destroyed by the sons of Ishmael. But the Edomites is us. The sons of Ishmael are the Arabs, the Muslims. How can we subject be subjected? How can we have a how can we have a conflagration with the Muslims in Europe unless there's mass immigration? So they promoted this thing, and we've now got it. And all these the crazy, stupid, stupid ones, the followers of Golding and Robinson, and there's plenty in the states as well. They say, "Oh, you've got to fight to get these people out," and so on. Well, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there'd probably be a, a few people watching this that find a lot of what we've said very heavy. Maybe some of it goes over their head if it's down the Christian angle or what have you. And um, you would be amazed at what the Christians who are nailing their colours to the mast on, on this Zionist, this, you know, like Nick was just saying about sacrificing the red heifers. I mean, even that alone, right? If you are a Christian and you think that you're somehow doing some service to God by by calling these his people these are the people that are planning to make sacrifices following the final sacrifice jesus when he was nailed to the cross said it is finished right it is finished meaning no other sacrifice no other bloodshed was necessary that was it that was the south that was the 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 one requirement for salvation is faith in jesus christ the, the god man nailed to the cross who was who died and was rose again and was resurrected, taken into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. That's it. So the whole notion of these further sacrifices of red heifers and laying the cornerstone and all of that, we are the church is the cornerstone. Christ is the temple. He said this. He told the Pharisees, he says, I'm going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. That was him. It's all there. But even if, if, if there are Christians that are watching and they're like, I don't really understand that and I'm not really that interested in the whole dispensationalism angle and the crazy, all of that, or the Jewish angle, any of it, I would sort of finish up because I know we're probably running out of time, but I would just like to labour on this point because we've gone into quite, you know, hopefully I think hopefully people find some of what we discussed today interesting. If if some of it is is not really of interest to you or goes over your head, maybe let me just make a plea to the just the normal human beings out there. We were all once babies. We all have parents. We all have families. And frankly, if you can honestly in your heart convince yourself and be convinced by the mainstream media that what israel the terrorist state of israel is doing and and i and i, I touched on this earlier and i'm going to touch on it again but i'll skim over it there is absolutely no way that what happened in israel on the 7th of october was not pre-planned and pre-arranged and it wasn't that israel didn't have a hand in it this and this is the Gaza, the Gaza Strip is the most manned open air prison in the world, right? There's no way that that could have occurred. There's no way that tractors could have gone in, the paragliders could have gone in. There's no way. It's not possible. It's not physically possible because there are automated weapons. The Iron Dome was down. It's all nonsense. But set that aside. What Hamas did 
on, on the scale that they did, we don't know. But what Hamas did, of course, we can all say was horrific. We don't want to see that. It wasn't completely unprovoked. It wasn't some random, like they, they said that the, the invasion of Ukraine was unprovoked. Once again, the Palestinian the Palestinian struggle is not unprovoked. Been, these people have been attacked in Gaza for 75 years. What I would say to the normal human beings that are getting themselves caught up in this frenzy of bloodlust and genocidal cheerleading is that I, I can't imagine that any of you have missed the harrowing footage on social media. For those of you that are on social media, of babies, children. I saw a baby with its its head cracked in two in Gaza. I saw a baby, I haven't seen any beheaded babies come out of Israel, but I've seen beheaded babies in Gaza. I saw someone lift up a baby with no head. Where is our humanity if we can honestly look ourselves in the mirror and say that we believe that Israel's response to a, a handful of Islamic terrorists going into what the, the occupied territory that Israel has stolen from Palestine. A handful of Islamic terrorists, if we're going to call them this, Islamic terrorists going into that occupied territory and wreaking havoc somehow justifies the completely un, unrestricted killing, maiming, destruction of an entire people. That is like suggesting that if there was a terrorist organization that formed in the United Kingdom tomorrow, let's just say that tomorrow a terrorist organization was formed in the UK and they went to France and they, they, they kidnapped a load of people, they killed a load of people. And then the response from France was, to bomb every port so that we couldn't leave the island. We couldn't leave the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, we couldn't get out. To, to make sure that we couldn't leave, which is what Gaza are facing, they cannot get out, despite what the Netanyahu regime is saying, everyone needs to leave, they can't leave. Imagine if everyone in Britain then, as a result of what these terrorists did, let's say that the terrorists are the conservative government, right? Because people, this is a common argument, people say, well, everyone voted for Hamas, they didn't. The Hamas were not voted for in the majority, 55.5% of people in the Gaza Strip didn't vote for Hamas. But let's just say, I didn't vote Tory. Let's say that the Tories are the ones that go out and wage this attack in France. And the response from France was to absolutely carpet bomb everyone in Britain. Can you sit in your house as a British citizen and say that you would be happy for your son, your daughter, your granddaughter, your grandson to be bombed, have their heads blown off, have their limbs torn off, being orphaned because of what one group of terrorists did? Because this is this is the parallel. It would be the same thing as when the IRA bombed British men, women and children. Imagine if the Brits had then gone and just carpet bombed the whole of Dublin and just wiped out the whole of Dublin. Men, women, children, people that didn't have any association with the IRA. It would have been a disproportionate response. So just think about what you're you're cheering for and do a bit of don't get caught up in this hatred because if, if anyone's supposed to be hateful, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be myself and Nick Griffin. <laughs> I, mean, I, feel that we, I thought that we were given those titles. So if we are sitting here trying to rationalise with you that blowing babies to pieces is not something to cheer for, I think there's, there's, there's problems, my friends. There really yeah. are. This is the last point that I wanted to make before we before we wrap up is I think there's been an enormous multi-decade effort to basically give the British public some red meat so that they don't listen to you guys. 
Um, they kind of that you've got these Nigel Farage figures and everyone on GB News that talk a bit about the grooming gangs way later than you guys did. And they talk about all this stuff. And all it is is a heavily funded gaslighting exercise, because apparently I'm sat here with two of the most notorious racists in Britain. But all this apparatus is doing is hiding that the most racist people on Earth that I can see anyway, please, if you've never seen it, go to YouTube and watch Abby Martin or somebody interviewing Israelis on the street about what they think should be done about their Arab neighbors. What did Jesus say about your neighbor? And listen to what these people say should be done to their neighbors and then compare it to what these two are saying and the reputation they've got as like horrible, hateful monsters. That's what this is. It's a big spell over the entire world that I God knows how much money has been put into it. And uh, I just want to try and write this wrong. And that's why we're here today. So any last words, Nick? Yeah, just to say that obviously we've been talking, everyone's talking about what's happened in Gaza and what's happening in Gaza and what might happen in Gaza. You know, and is this going, will it calm down? Will, be, will there be a ceasefire? Will everyone in three weeks time have died of hunger and starvation and thirst and so on? Uh, or uh, will they in the end be forced to leave? Is that the aim? Is ethnic cleansing? Yes, ethnic cleansing is the aim, undoubtedly. And I think that probably, for reasons I've already spoken about, uh, the Netanyahu creature and the even worse creatures keeping you in power, they'd be happier if the Gazans weren't dead, but if they were living in Britain yeah. and France, Germany, they'd be happier with that. But if they can't do that, they'll happily kill them. But that's not the crux of this, because that's at one level, they're attacking Gaza and they besiege it for that reason, to solve this problem of Gaza, get these Arabs out, ensure that Gaza's gas supplies, oil supplies off the coast and so on, belong to Israel. So that's at that level. But also, of course, they're, what they're doing in subjecting Gaza to this prolonged torture, they are trying to drag Hezbollah, they're trying to force Hezbollah for its own um its own status in the muslim world and so on they're trying to drag hezbollah into the war now the jews want, don't want to fight hezbollah hezbollah kicked their asses in 2006 when there were 5,000 hezbollah fighters there's now 100,000 and they're better armed the jews don't want to fight hezbollah but if hezbollah is dragged into the war then america will come in and attack them and at that point in all probability, the Iranians, who are effectively Hezbollah sponsors and so on, they will then be duty bound. Otherwise, they lose all sort of pace and power and so on. They'll use their hypersonic missiles and they will probably sink the entire United States battle fleet, probably ours as well. They have that capability, in which case the Americans and to a lesser extent, the Google Britain have the choice to declare victory and leave, run away with a tail between their legs or nuke Tehran. That's it. They can't invade Tehran boots on the ground. We couldn't possibly do it. It would be a disaster. So what the Israelis are trying to do is to provoke. They don't want World War III, I don't believe. They want the West to destroy Iran. But because Iran and uh, China and Russia are like that, they are running the risk of World War III. There's a serious risk of what's going on, not what's happened thus far, but they're pushing something which could get us all killed. That's how serious this is. If, on the other hand, that doesn't happen, just to wind up, that doesn't happen, it will all calm down, there'll be another wave of refugees, there'll be more Muslim hatred against the West, and the West response will be to insist that their schools teach LGBT, LGBT and trans rights, and if you wonder what, you know, 
where can this get any crazier? Yeah, take a look at the people, at the multi-billionaires who created trans rights and forced it on the peoples of the West and are trying to force it on the Muslims again. And the clue is they're not Brits, they're not Arabs, they're not Eskimos. But um, anyway, coming back to the final point, that even if it doesn't lead to World War Three, we are going to end up with a further vicious twist to this spiral of hatred, mutual hatred and loathing between them and us on our streets as our communities fall apart. And we're not very far away from a few incidents and so on. Uh, and the Tommy Robinsons, uh, as they tried to do already, trying to get people to go into Muslim areas with cartoons of Mohammed shagging a goat and all the rest of it, this deliberate provocation. These people want to create a war on our streets. And I see the potential for a war in our streets. If we have a war, then we're not going to force them out. It's not possible. They're not going to force us out. It's not possible. You'll have idiots and hate-filled and bitter people on both sides believing that and trying to do it for 30 years. At the end of the 30 years, they'll sit down, as they did in Northern Ireland, as they did in Europe at the end of the 30 years war of religion, as they did in Switzerland at the end of their terrible medieval civil war. It always happens. The survivors and the sons of the first fighters who spent 15 years fighting themselves and see their own sons or grandsons about to go down the same cycle, in 30 years time, they'll sit down and they'll talk and they'll hammer out some kind of peace deal, which is all the harder for the fact they've been 30 years of bloodshed and horror on both sides. And that's where we're headed. What I want to try and do is short circuit the process so we can sit down and talk and work out how the hell we are going to live in this multicultural society, which Netanyahu and the neocons and the rest of this Jewish supremacist elite and our own treacherous Christian leaders have imposed on us. How the hell are we going to make this vaguely work? It's damn sight easier if we sit down and talk about it and do it without 30 years of war. Well, thank you very much for that. I knew I was going to get a great deal of sanity from the both of you. And I've seen just a lot of they have to go back posting on Twitter. And I just, yeah, we're going to need a more mature way through this. So um, thanks to the both of you. I, th I think we've done a good job of this. So I will speak to you both very, very soon. Thanks for the platform, Nick. Thank you very much. Good night, both of you. Yeah, God bless, guys. See ya.